Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Oh, hello, hello, explorers. You who are exploring the prophetic with me. Should that be our new name, the Explorers? Someone put that in one of the reviews, and I loved it. Well, we are exploring today with Krista Smith, who has been a dear, dear friend and even worked on staff at my church that I planted in Los Angeles, California for a while. And uh, she ended up marrying one of my childhood heroes, Sean Smith, who's the evangelist reverend, amazing man of God here on the West Coast, and who just delivers with prophetic authority, just timely words. And Krista is the same way. Krista is one of the processors and soundboards of Sheree in my life. She's actually Sheree's best friend. And I haven't had Krista on yet, which is weird because Krista has so much depth and, and connection and empowerment. She brings so much ministry. She has a background in... Uh, fashion, but she also graduated leadership college for, from Hillsong University and then uh, also did a pastoral ministry program there, which has served her well because she was a pastor for, I believe, around 12 or 13 years. And then she joined Sean Smith and his ministry, and they ended up re-pioneering it together and travel the world. And especially during COVID, they felt to press in and they just felt the, the grace of God to go and do gatherings and do meetings and, and speak in events. And they did an amazing job of Holding the line between, you know, going after what God is speaking in the season and in the midst of a very much of a fear culture, you know, a hundred year event like the pandemic, no one wants to go out. But then there's people who are like, well, we need to hear what God says. We need to hear what he wants to do with us. There's also a lot of people who are spiritually hungry and seeking who got saved in their meetings during that last you know year period or so. So I love Krista. One of the things I want to unpack with her today is her single journey because she was single until just before 40. And I want to talk to her about hearing God's voice about marriage, hearing God's voice in marriage. And just, I think it's such a relevant topic. Some of you who are single want to hear Krista. Those of you who are married, you're going to be really blessed as well. I know you're listening from all over the world, but I want to encourage you that the stories that Krista shares is for everyone. Well, stay tuned. Hi, this is Shannon from the Bowls team. I want to tell you about an exciting offer for our brand new book, Wired to Hear, written by Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. It's about connecting God's voice to your life, influence, and career. If you work for a living or run your own business and you desire to hear God's voice for yourself in the workplace, this is the book for you. Right now, you can pre-order Wired to Hear through BowlesMinistries.com. You'll receive a signed copy a submission for a free grant, and many other exclusive offers only available through bowlsministries.com. Grab your copy today. Oh, welcome Krista Smith to the episode today. This is like my sister. I'm so I glad know. you're on. Oh, this is fun. You're right. This is family. So this is amazing. Thanks for having me. I'm super honored. Oh, it's it's been a long time coming. Like I can't wait for our listeners to hear your stories. And of course, many of them are familiar with you and your husband, Sean, you guys travel the world and you both have such a prophetic voice, but also there's just uh, kind of an awakening kind of gift on you guys to where it's a before and after moment for people 
bodies of Christ mm-hmm. all over the place. You guys go in, even during the whole pandemic, you guys felt to just keep going. Yeah, we and did. Like Sheree and I didn't, we felt like worse, but we felt like our whole life was changing. But sure. we were so inspired. We'd see your pictures and your videos and just what God was giving you words for like people in the season of hardship that we were in. And it was so totally. profound. And then Sean came out and he was actually on my new TV show, Discovering God, which premieres on May 31st, which is really I'm cool. I'm so excited to see that. He had so much fun with uh, you guys. You know, it was such a good episode too. I've, I've already got to, of course, as a producer, pre-screen it and kind of make some notes. And he just did such a good job. You're going to be so proud of him. I love yes. that. So we are super, here. Super fun. I love it. We're here. Definitely. It's, it's a pretty unique season for all of us, but gosh. I, I, I want to go into that, but I want to give our um, listeners a chance to get to know you, even through some sure. of your story, because you, you have a background that's pretty prolific in ministry. Before that, you were going to school to be a clothing designer and worked in the yeah, design industry a little bit. And uh, I just want to kind of take them into this, this real awakening you had, our prophetic encounter when you were a little girl. Yeah. And then go from there into like, how did that form into the now? Yeah, I know. I love that. You know, it is kind of a unique story. And isn't it funny how when you're going through it, it maybe doesn't feel as significant. But when you look back and you're asked those questions, what's your marking moment? It yeah. was definitely when I was a little girl. You know, I was raised in a in a family that loved God. We went to the Catholic Church and we got really impacted by the charismatic renewal that happened in the late 70s, early 80s in the Catholic Church. And for those that don't know what that means, it simply means Holy Spirit broke out in the Catholic Church. And it was amazing. Like priests were having healing services, like people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Catholic Church. And there's still definitely a facet of the Catholic Church that would consider themselves charismatic Catholics. And it was from the result of that impact and that outpouring from the Lord. So my family was super super impacted by that. And because of that, we found ourselves what I, what I call a pilgrimage really of who is Holy Spirit and what is this all about? And so I was about seven years old and we found ourselves at a family camp up in Washington state. Cause I'm born and raised in Oregon, Southern Oregon. And we had a Volkswagen van. So picture it, you know, we're in a Volkswagen <laughs> van camping at this, you know, camp up in Smoky Point, Washington. It was called world map camp and it was through the four square, but you know, I, I had no grid for denominations. I had no grid for anything to the point where I would just ask when the meetings of the camp, I'd still call a mass. Um, anyone that was leading the service, I called the priest. Like I didn't have a grid for verbiage. I didn't have a grid for even culture. I just knew like if I thought God was somewhere, I just wanted to be where God was. And so wow. fast forward, you know, my sisters came back from the first couple nights of their junior high and high school meetings. Cause I'm the youngest of three girls. And they were talking about how God moved and people were being, were laying on the ground. People fell over. Well, you and I know that means that they were slain in the spirit, but you know, we didn't know what that meant. We didn't even know how to describe it other than like people are on the ground crying and demons were being cast out and people were getting wow. healed and casts were being taken off. And, you know, suicide was getting broken off and prophetic words were getting released. And my sisters who are junior high and high school, they're just like, you know, mesmerized by what's happening. But they're like, they know it's God. But I'm thinking, gosh, you know, here I am at the children's ministry and they have puppets and we're loving the puppets. I loved the puppets, you know, but there wasn't any of that happening. But so it, it provoked in me a curiosity, but also this desire within me that was like, forget the puppets. Like if that's available, I don't want this like kitty version of God. And so what felt like at seven years old, this really brave 
ask. And I, and that was, I, I went to the you know person who was over the children's ministry. I was like, I really have to go to the bathroom. Is it okay? I will go to the bathroom with no intention to go to the bathroom. So I was fully lying, but it was with the intent <laughs> right, to run across this dark field, which was like the length of a football field, pitch black, no lights, which felt very brave for a seven-year-old to run across a dark yeah. field to get to the building that my sister's meetings were in. Wow. And so I saw this little light on the door, which felt so prophetic. If I can just get to the light, if I can just get to the light, because I knew the light above the door was my goal, what I was running toward. And as soon as I walked in there, Sean, that is the moment. And I wouldn't have been able to articulate it at the moment, but it's exactly the moment when I opened the door, I walked into the glory of God. And the glory of the Lord was in the room. And I literally walked in. I, I crammed my little body against the back wall, praying no one would ask me to leave because I knew I was too little to be in there. And I was watching everything my sisters had told me was happening. I was watching people get slain in the spirit. I was wow. watching baptism in the Holy Spirit, people speaking in tongues for the first time. I saw demons cast out. I saw uh, people getting prophesied over and they were weeping and they felt the love of God. I felt so much love in the room from the Lord. I felt the, the miraculous was happening. Uh, prophetic worship was happening. There was just this joy and this awe of God. I mean, it was incredible. And I remember at seven years old sitting there, Sean, thinking, if this is available, I will spend my life pursuing it. And wow. I meant, I meant every word like, and I, and honestly, it's what marked me. So fast forward, I go home back to Southern Oregon. I go to public school, the whole thing. I'm not in a youth group. We stay in the Catholic church. God's still moving, but then it kind of quiets down a little bit. And it kind of goes back to the routine of just kind of like typical mass. And I, but I had a reverence for God because I'd been marked by God. Um, I just remember looking forward to camp, summer camp every year. And I, I, it was like, it's what sustained me to pursue God was those five days every year. The rest of the year, I'm not in youth group. I'm in the Catholic church. I'm in public school. Pretty much all my friends are wild, crazy. I mean, my friends were partying. I had friends having sex in junior high, like seventh grade. Wow. And I remember thinking that's their thing, but I know that's not what I'm called to do. Fast forward and I'll end with this. I go to college. I go to Seattle Pacific University and I'm in my second year, my sophomore year of college. And I'm walking across the campus and I run to this guy, Nick, whom I went to the camp with, who went oh, every wow. summer because the same families went every summer. So you got to know people and we're shocked to see each other. And he's, I find out he's a graduate student and I'm an undergraduate student. He's like, have you found a church? And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to the, because it's a Methodist university. I'm just going to the Methodist campus church because to me, whether I went to a Catholic church or a Methodist or Presbyterian, it didn't matter. Like I just was like, wherever I felt God, I was like, I didn't care. Like it, I didn't have an association of spirit filled or non-spirit filled. I just wanted God and church was always kind of boring to me. So it wasn't like this big desire that had to be a display. <laughs> right. Totally. So fast forward, he, he's like, Hey, come with me this Sunday. He just, he tells me nothing. We drive 40 minutes North to Muckleteo, Washington. And we walk into this little tiny storefront church. There's a couple hundred people. So I guess not tiny, tiny, but a couple hundred people. And there's the guy from camp. And he, I come to find out he's the pastor and he's ministering peace, oh, wow. prophesying, Demons are getting cast out. It's camp. It's literally camp. But on a Sunday, I turned to my friend, Nick, Sean, and I said, hold up. Is that the guy from camp? And he's like, yeah, he's a pastor. I didn't know that the guy from camp had like wow. another life. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you just, you don't yeah. know, you don't know. And I'm 19 years old and I go, wait, summer camps available on Sundays. 
That's what I said. Summer camp's available on Sundays. That's he looks so at me and he innocent. goes, Krista, summer camp's available every day. And literally, it was like everything about that moment blew my spiritual doors wide open. All of a sudden, I found myself, whenever the church was open, when anyone was training about gifts of the Spirit, when anyone prophetic was, I mean, I would drive hours. I would, I would turn down any social event in college. I was on my face for the next three years and beyond pursuing God. Everyone's at UW partying in the Greek row. And I'm literally borrowing cars because I have no money for a car, but I have a gas card. I can put gas in your car, but I can't afford the car. And I'm borrowing everyone's car just to get to church. I got so rocked by God because I found out summer camp is available every day. I did not know that. I mean, it's amazing. I've never heard that part of your story, which is wild because I've heard a lot of your story. Yeah. And so how do you go from like, you had this daily encounter with the Lord where all of a sudden he's just your focus and you're oh, in yeah. school and you go from there into kind of, and bridge us some more into where you're at now, because it's pretty incredible what you're bringing to the body of Christ. But I know there's a journey Oh, totally. You know, I had already accepted at post-college. Um, I had done a training program, a management training program um, with a with a fashion company up in Seattle. And they had offered me a job when I graduate because I did it between my junior and senior year of college that summer. It went well. So they offered me a position full-time, my first full-time job in the fashion industry nice. upon graduation, which was amazing. So I graduated a term early, so I had three months to myself, and I always had Australia in my heart from the Lord. I always felt like Australia and I had a connection. So long story short, through connections, through relationships, friends of friends, they opened up an opportunity for me to go serve a ministry in Australia during the week and on the weekends for about three months, because a term is three months. I had one term until I started my job in the fashion industry. I just served a, min a ministry over there um, that was primarily for missionaries and missions work. So I'd work in the office and then I would travel Australia. And long story short, during that time being in Australia by myself, I said out loud for the first time, I was dialoguing, knowing I'm going to go into the fashion industry, feeling like that was always a dream and something I wanted to do because I've always loved fashion. I still love fashion. But I just actually began to admit it for the first time. Uh, as I'd graduated, that maybe it wasn't my lifelong thing. Maybe it actually wasn't the call on my life. Wow. And so although I knew I'd accepted the job and I was still going to walk that out because I knew I was supposed to like follow through with that. But I also was looking at the bigger picture of like what's actually going to fulfill me. And I said for the first time out loud by myself, I actually want to preach and prophesy. Now, to most people, you hear that now and you think that's not that significant. Everyone, no, it's huge. people or have to even understand. now it's huge. Yeah, That's even right. now. This is the nineties and they have, people have to understand. I literally at that point when I said it at 22 years old, remember I'd just been exposed to Holy spirit every day at 19. So those that's three years. I had never seen a woman preach and prophesy literally. Yeah. And so I was saying, I wanted to do something that I never had a reference for. I didn't have anyone showing me that I'd only ever seen wow. men do that. And so I was saying something that felt very bold, very risky, and very unorthodox to what I was exposed to. Fast forward that weekend, I, was a, I had already hooked up with this evangelism team that went and ministered to people at two in the morning when they came out of the bars. We'd lead people to Jesus, prophesy over them on the streets of Melbourne, Australia. 
I met up with these two guys in the evangelism team and I told them I'm supposed to go to Sydney. I don't know why, but I'm supposed to go to Sydney. I had met a girl that was an American and she was studying there. Long story short, it was totally a God setup. I end up with her. I don't even know her that well, but when you're traveling, if you've ever backpacked across Europe or different things, because you're from the same nation, you're instant friends. It's just kind of the way it works. So I find myself being dropped off by these guys. I barely knew it was like a 12 plus hour drive, probably longer car broke down the whole thing. I get dropped off at a random gas station, picked up by a friend only to be taken to a birthday party of someone. I don't even know. This is so God where he says, what are you doing here? The guy's birthday party. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm just supposed to be here. There's a church called Hillsong. This is in 2000. And I just told, felt like the Lord told me I'm supposed to go to Hillsong. I go to Hillsong the next day. It's his church. He's like, that's my church. I'll pick you up. I walk in Brian Houston, the pastor of Hillsong in the year two, this is no, sorry, this is not 2000. I'm mixing up my dates, uh, 1998. So 1998, Brian Houston gets up and he's like, I, he goes, we have the, um, such a special guest and a surprise for you all. I, I want to introduce you guys to Kathy Leshner. She's an American female who preaches and prophesies. And I want you guys to be exposed to her ministry. I'd never seen it three days prior. I had admitted for the first time I wanted to preach and prophesy. I, I take a 12, maybe it might be like 14 hour drive with random strangers who led me that Sunday morning. So I say all that to say after those three months in Australia, I go back into the fashion industry, which I was in for two years and I loved it. It was a mission field. I got to pray and prophesy over majority of the people that I worked with, majority of them wow. were living alternative um, lifestyles. Um, my my God, my boss was gay when I went to Bible college, which I ended up going back to Hillsong um, and going through their pastoral ministry program. It was my boss and his HIV positive partner who gave me my going away party um, for Bible college. So it was, you know, wow. it was amazing wow. because for those two years when I was in the fashion industry, which I thought was going to be a lot longer, but it was in those two years where I was getting trained in the prophetic doors for speaking and ministry begin to open up in the Seattle area. Cause that's where I was living at that time. And that's where it really solidified. This is what I want to do my life with, but I still loved the mission field of the fashion fashion industry. I still loved, I had so many awesome open doors and it's cool. Cause some of them I'm still in touch with to this day. And, and my old boss, um, because I had two bosses, she and her husband um, even came to my wedding. So that's pretty neat. I mean, we've so stayed awesome. in relationship all these years. So um, yeah, it's just, it's been such a I'm, journey. I'm glad you brought that particular part up because now you've been in ministry for you know decades, but you were also single for a long time. You're yeah. writing a book right now that I can't wait till it comes out. You've written it actually, but it's coming out in July. Yeah. Uh, let's talk real fast, not real fast. Let's talk and unpack <laughs> the story of your singleness and how this marriage happened because it's an amazing story. And a lot of people who are listening are probably, there's probably a lot of single people. There might be a lot of single women who are over 20 or over 30. And uh, you were how old when you got married? I was 39. And I like to say this just to let it really sink in. It was three months before I turned 40. (laughs) So, you know, I just, I always like to bring that in just so everyone kind of cringes a little bit. You were almost trying to get the Steve uh, Carell. I was, I was like, I'm trying. That's right. I was like vying for his title (laughs) on the movie. Cause I was like, Steve, you think you can hold your own? Watch me. Right. Exactly. 
No, you know, it, it is a story. And you've walked a lot of my story with me, Sean. So you've kind of had a front row seat to this journey. And your wife is one of my best friends of, in my entire life. And she was a bridesmaid, of course, in my wedding. And, um, you know, so you've seen the journey, I guess I say that to say, you know, there, there was real grace on aspects of it. And then there was really hard places with other aspects of it. And I think yeah. to kind of paint an accurate, authentic picture is important. Cause I think for those that are struggling today, I always want to bring a message of hope that in one moment, God can change everything. So there's that aspect. And then the second aspect is don't miss out on the opportunity to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus during the single years and during That's the process. So so many times we, all we want to do is get out of a process. I know I do. I, yeah. when I don't like where I'm at, the, all I can think about is when I won't be in it. Yeah, and sure. I've learned being in extended processes in my life that have taken years that I thought would only take months or prayed. I would only take, or pray it would only take months when they've taken years. You get to this place in the middle of something that's taking so long and you think I can either continue to hate every bit of this process and not learn from it, not go deeper and become bitter, angry and lose my joy and be frustrated and let it affect my relationship with Jesus. Or I can say, Jesus, I know you're really kind and I know you're really good and you wouldn't lead me to a place without a purpose. And although I don't understand it and I may not even like it, I'm actually going to lean into you through it because I actually wow. want to become who you've created me to be. And you wouldn't allow me to walk this process mm -hmm. if there wasn't something key in it that I was supposed to grow in. I think for so many of us, we just want to get past the process. We're just like, yeah. we just want to get to the breakthrough. It's like, okay, already, you know, I've waited this long. And for me, I hit that place multiple times within, I waited 19 years. I was not in a relationship from 19 years old. I started dating Sean, my husband at 38. So that's 19 years, wow. but I technically didn't get married for 20. And at 19 years old, I had been in this, you know, really kind of short relationship. Um, but I liked him a lot. I wasn't in love, but he had cheated on me and lied to me, all the things. And wow. at 19 years old, I was like heartbroken. And I just remember being like, okay, Jesus, like clearly I need you to orchestrate and lead this part of my life. Cause I don't want to have this pain unnecessarily. Um, and I want my heart to be yours. And so I prayed, I call what I call it a pretty cheesy prayer, but I meant it, you know, cheesy prayers can be cheesy, but you can, mean them, you know, <laughs> and I, and I prayed this prayer that said, Jesus, I give you my heart and give it back to me when I have permission to give it away. You know, I give, you know, guard my heart, shield it, but give it back to me when you want me to give it away. And I meant it. And so for the next 19 years, anytime a guy would pursue me or whatnot. And I would ask the Lord, Hey, do I have permission to go on that date? The Lord was like, no. So I had to make that choice. Wow. Was I just going to settle because I was just lonely or was I going to trust God and allow him to become, you know, my husband, my lover, was I going to actually allow him to live out song of Solomon within me? which I, yeah. boy, did he have me in that, you know, I was very much like the Lord's like, I'm going to teach you. I'm not just your master. I'm your husband. You know, there's a love yeah. intimacy we're called to walk in. And I experienced that through the longing of a husband, but Jesus had to become that first. And then so much more he did, um, in the area of anchoring my identity in him, because as I shared with you and you've mentioned to the listeners, I was, I pastored for 13 years before I got married. 
and I went for God and I bought, you know, I, I bought a condo. I moved states. I took new jobs because I had this conviction within me that I'm going to live out the fullness of who God created me to be. I'm not going to put my life on pause and I'm going to go fully after God. And I think that's an important message because we put our lives on hold for things we don't have control over. Oh, it's so good. I mean, that right there is like worth the podcast. And I think I think a lot of people who jump ship from their process with God, so to speak, and it's always ends in regret because totally. he's leading you this far. If he doesn't lead you all the way, you're not going to get what you want from something else. And that place of process, I remember, you know, reading Corey Tamboom, The Hiding Place, and how she said in the midst of Auschwitz, she learned that totally. it wasn't about the getting out of Auschwitz. It was about the journey of God in the midst of it. And if she could say that in one of the worst concentration camps in history, like I want to learn who God is, like I'm going to learn in my process, no matter how hard it is. And but at the same time, I totally have compassion and empathy for people who are like, I heard God, I'm supposed to go this route. You went 19 years. Yes. That's not like two years. That's not like no. 10 years. I mean, no. I, I have a friend who's on our prophetic team and she three years into her singleness journey, like real singleness journey of saying, God, you can have my singleness. She gave up and married a guy that got divorced two years later because he was cheating on her. And, uh, and she looks at it and laughs and goes, now she's happily married to this amazing dreamy guy and they have two kids <laughs> together, but she laughs about that part of her life, probably painfully laughs, but laughs and makes, she's a very funny person. And she's like, you know, if you want to give up on God for a minute and, and live one of the worst imaginings that you could ever, <laughs> you know, existence you could ever imagine, go for it. Like I've done it before. Doesn't work out for anybody. Not him, not me. It's a, you know, right. it's just this kind of joke around kind of rant she'll go on for people it's who so true. are asking about it. But it's one of those things where, you know, I love to hear your process because you didn't just stick in. I mean, that's enduring faith. The Bible oh. talks about enduring faith, but that's enduring faith to say, I'm going to walk with you. And of course, Sri and I were, have been friends with you the whole time. Not the whole time of that, yes. but like a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of and it, yeah. just watched you hold your heart. Because I mean, like you're, you were so marriable. Like we wanted to get you together with the most awesome person we could find type thing. So we love that you and Sean connected Aww. because he's I, obviously that's a it. superhero of mine. You know, he's, he really was. And I, I said this in my wedding vows, you heard it. I said, I waited, I waited 20 years for you and I would have waited 20 more. You know, wow. when God writes your story, it's the best story. It may not be in your timeline. It may not always be the way in which you want it. Um, would I have loved it 10 years earlier? Heck yes, I would yeah. have, of course. Like I would have loved to have waited, you know, 10 years, not 20, you know, that would have been amazing. However, you know, there's, there's two people in the equation, you know, you yeah. have to remember your marriage has more than just you in it. There's another mm. person in it and there's God's writing a story through both of you. And there's a timing of the Lord in it, but you're so right. There's such a temptation when you, you shift from that place of just faith to endearing faith. That's a very different posture wow. of, because the enduring faith is the against all odds. It's kind mm -hmm. of when like maybe the medical world's given up on you or your friends have given up on you or the statistics are against you. Whatever your scenario is that you're waiting for, you can kind of apply that truth to it. And yet God whispered to you, I'm going to heal your body. You know, I'm going to heal you right now. And but the doctors have written it off. The medical community is like, sorry, but you have an enduring faith that's like, I'm not going to partner with that. I'm going to stand in faith for that. I'm going to believe that God, you know, said I that that can happen. That's enduring faith. Um, some people might call it delusional, but they weren't there in that moment with Jesus in you. And the wow. same goes for like that 
that heart desire to get married, you know, because in my book, you know, I talk about I don't know to my readers if they're going to get married, but I do know that I can help them. We can help them. Anyone that's because you didn't get married till you're 37. You understand what it is to be single for years. Yes, you I know, do. you know, and so I think we can give them hope that it's worth waiting on God writing your story. That when you take the pen out of his hand, like you were just saying of the illustration of the your friend, you, it doesn't it's not a well-written story. You know, That's you so got to leave the pen in God's hand. So prophetically you're going through this and you're single for a long time and you have your awesome parents who I love, I love and them. friends and family who are like, "Get married, Krista." I mean, I know I had that too when I was single. Like, "Get married, oh, child. Totally. Like, what's wrong with you?" Like mm-hmm. at this point, if there's just something wrong with you, you know, and totally. people try and guess all the reasons why and all whatever. What kept you like, like talk about like, because in your book, you talk about the surrender. Like there was just this surrender inside of you that you kept having to go back to, mm-hmm. but, but talk about what kept you in that place. No, that's a great question. I, I really attribute that. And I'll qualify this. I really attribute for me seeing my parents have a really happy marriage. My parents have a great marriage and they're amazing friends and they laugh all the time together. And our family- Let me tell our listeners this because your dad is so Catholic and your mom is a charismatic Pentecostal. Yes, totally. And it's so cute to watch them that they've got to both. Oh, 100%. Like they- both still, att- my mom attends a four square church. My dad still attends a Catholic church <laughs> and they still awesome. support each other. I know totally. they have, they found a rhythm that works for them. They respect what each other, you know, you know, a uh, practice. And my dad loves Holy spirit and has an awesome relationship with Jesus. And, you know, and so it's, it's, it's different. It's outside the box. But what I love about that is it taught me and it showed me what marriage can really be. And it's not because it was easy. It's not because it's simple. They had to work at it, you know, yeah. but they but they really enjoy each other. And so because I was modeled a marriage where they enjoyed each other, they didn't tolerate each other. I was around a yeah. lot of my friends' parents who tolerated each other. And then my friends started getting married and they were really in love at first. And then they just begin to become roommates and tolerate each other. And I think I got to this place where I was like, I'm really happy single. So I would rather be single and happy than married and miserable. I'm not desperate enough where I would allow my really fulfilled, happy life to be interrupted or affected by a dysfunctional marriage. That sounds awful to me. So yeah, I think my... I, I came to the same place. I do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and especially with so much of marriage, you look around you and you go, where are my models? And if it's not somebody who enjoys each other, then it's like, why would I want this anyways? Why would I want to be involved with this? And my parents are the same way. They really enjoyed each other. But at the same time, I wanted my own version of marriage. Even with my parents, I looked at them and thought, I don't want even just their marriage. I want my own version of marriage. So even theirs wasn't high enough at one point. It was like, I love them, but even like, it doesn't feel like enough. Like I'm so satisfied with God, although I had a longing, but I knew that if he brought me into marriage, it would accelerate everything. Cause it's kind of like the children of Israel when they went into the promised land, everything happened for them. So I was like, if this is one of those promises, it'll happen fast. It'll happen real. It'll happen uniquely. And of course it has for us. But uh, so you and Sean, end up meeting you'd already yeah. met you already knew each other but you yeah up, we like, knew each other for connecting. years like ministry acquaintances but we never yeah. saw each other like that of course yeah and then it started happening which i love we don't have to go into the whole love story because we don't have a, that much time but I, what i love is that you guys when you got together and you got married it wasn't just a marriage it was also prophetic 
assignment and kind of life assignment together. Talk about that in the context of marriage that you didn't just marry into somebody and he didn't just marry into you for the sake of like companionship, but there was a God element. There was like, you, and you, you felt it, you heard it, and now you travel the world together. So talk about being a partner too. Yeah. Both I love, no, I love that. You know, the first year of our marriage, this is going to sound interesting. Um, when we first got together, I knew the Lord had a spiritual assignment that we were created to do together. And we were at wow. the place where we had walked independently of one another for years and cultivated our own relationship with the Lord. So when we came together, there was this convergence moment that happened within us. And it was really interesting because it didn't go as I thought it would go. Meaning our first year of marriage, I shifted from full-time pastoring the church, always involved in local church, to I'm now sitting on the front row of all these conferences, and I'm not known in the itinerant world at that time at all. And so I'm not invited to speak and minister because people don't know me. And so much of itinerant is relationship, right? So I'm sitting there supporting. So I went from preaching every Sunday or most Sundays, I should say, um, and definitely a voice in the local church consistently, you know, and helping foster that community to um, just sitting on the front row supporting my husband. And I remember the Lord and I, and I was fine with that. You have to understand that wasn't a negative thing to me because I recognized I had just shift. My world had just changed. I just gotten married and I needed time to acclimate. So I was okay sitting there. I didn't have also, you're such a hard worker. You needed a little break. I mean, you worked for me for a year and I, I remember the, le- you're like having five employees at once, the level of productivity that you bring out of your life. So you probably needed that break as well, where you were kind of hidden. <laughs> <laughs> You get me, Sean. I really did need a break because it was a really busy season. You know this, that I had just come out of when I got married. So I kind of enjoyed the catch my breath. And then that proceeded for a whole year where I just literally wasn't ministering per se a lot. Sean would call me up here and there at the altars. And there was this natural flow we begin to learn um, of how to flow together, minister together. And it came from this place of just really enjoying one another. This sounds interesting, but I remember so many times and I still get this feeling when I'm watching my husband minister, there is such a joy in me watching my husband do what he was created to do. That's so awesome. Right. And so I, it's like, it is like such a gift. I get to watch Sean literally be who God created him to be. So I say that to say, there has been this natural champion in both him and I for each other. So people are always like, it's funny how in American culture, they always want to compare, right? So people yeah. will say, oh, I like Krista or I like Sean better. And we always laugh. And we're <laughs> like, you don't have to like one of us better. Like we, we're different, you know, we're our own yeah. people, but yet we complement each other really well. But there's no competition between Sean and I because we're so, we so believe in what one another carry. And I so recognize how much the kingdom needs what my husband has more now than ever more now than ever with his testimony, his story, which will be shared on your show. Totally. And he actually does the same about you, feels the same and talks the same way about you, which is really, I think one of the unique aspects you guys have in your marriage is because you were on the front row, but he was always pulling you in to the point where all of a sudden there was a synergy that happened together where you complement each other so much that it's like so much of what you guys do is a reflection of each other and even a complimentary message and is now the one-two punch. 
that we get to see because of what God's done. Tell me what in this in this time of pandemic and this time of like, you know, we're still in it, even though we're yeah. at a better place and that we're still in it. And this time For that sure. so much stuff is the structure has been has collapsed out of so many things. So many yeah. churches don't know how to recreate. So many businesses don't know where to go next. So many people and families are just done. They're just going through stuff. What is the message you, you've been getting for the body of Christ? Like, what are the prophetic hopes that God's been giving you? You know, it's funny. I probably in February, I was flying from East Coast to West Coast back from a ministry trip. And I heard in the plane, the Lord say, resurrection power. And I said, mm. it was so strong. It was like, you know this. It's like that boom inside your spirit. It's just like that inward audible voice. just like, boom. Wow. And I just heard the Lord say, resurrection power. And I said, Lord, for what? And I heard the Lord say, resurrection power over America. And I've been preaching probably since February, uh, just about Lazarus and the resurrection power that, you know, when Jesus got word that Lazarus was dead, he waited two days and then he showed up, you know, it was a two day trip back. So it ended up being four days after Lazarus died. So the whole thing I kept hearing the Lord say was, I'm a four day dead God. Nothing's too dead for me nothing's too far gone. Nothing. It's like, and the Lord kept having me break it down that it's when all the life source had been removed. So the mourners had happened, the blood had been removed. He'd been embalmed, grave clothes are wrapped. He's put in the grave. Everyone's walked away. It's a done deal. Lazarus is dead. There's no hope. There's no possibility of a different verdict because it's a done deal because it's all they ever knew. It was like, if someone died, they didn't know resurrection was even on the table. So I say that to say, I feel like God right now is saying things are on the table that you all don't even know are available. So I feel like Mm. we're going to, we're going to see things that we didn't even know that was on the table, like mind blowing blowing miracles, mind blowing breakthroughs that were like, we thought it was dead. We thought it was done. God's like resurrection power. So for the person and then that marriage that just feels like it's beyond hope because the pandemic actually created more tension or more division, there's resurrection power. God's going to breathe life on the places that were once dead. That's the first thing. The second thing I kept hearing was the Lord in Rosh Hashanah this past September. um, The Lord says, um, what, one of the meanings of Rosh Hashanah is the Lord remembers you. God, it's a day of remembrance. And so when I studied that out, Sean, I was really rocked because I felt like the Lord reminded me that in when I studied it out and the rabbis teach this in the synagogues, that the I believe it's, it was Elizabeth and Hannah, um, at least Elizabeth and Hannah. I think there's a third person, but I want to make sure and get that right. Elizabeth and Hannah, who were infertile, um, that God opened their womb and filled them with a child during Rosh Hashanah. And I felt like that was really prophetic because I heard the Lord whisper over me, over the nation of America. Cause again, I think it's over our nation. I remember you America and the places that feel barren, the places that have felt infertile, the places that have felt lacking, the, the places that have felt delayed or wish for or past due, so to speak. God's like, I remember you. And I feel like if we take that on a personal level, so many of us are like, I don't feel remembered right now. I don't feel seen. I don't feel like God's going to come through. And I feel like God's like, I remember you. And when you study out the word remembrance, um, if I, if I'm, pulling on my memory correctly, um, it says something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing this, it's like things that seem broken, things that seem beyond repair, God's able to restore and mend once again. And so I think that's such a beautiful picture 
of things that seem broken, things that seem unrepairable. God's like, I remember you, which is saying, not only do I remember you, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring life where there seems like there's death. I'm going to bring fertility. I'm going to bring blessing where things felt um, infertile or uh, things felt like they were lacking. And I feel like that's a promise for the church right now. I feel like that's a promise for the nation. And so I do feel an expectancy of hope, even in difficult time. And I'm not minimizing the pain or the trauma so many people have gone through. Yet I have so much hope for God encountering us in the midst of it and taking us through it to the breakthrough and to the more. I love that part of your story is that you waited for so long for like a marriage. You know what it's like to wait through hardship and endure in your faith and all these kinds of, you know, these kinds of things. And then you're giving a message of like, you know, the Lord remembers you Mm -hmm. in those places. And I think of Sarah because she was the one who said she gave Jehovah a name, which the name, I, I always have a hard time saying it, but the name for God in that circumstance was God remembers me. That's it. She actually called him by yes. that name and that's become one that's of the names. One of the ways we're supposed to see God. And I think it's so profound when you think of like, if God's going to remember America and the world, I know there's a lot of international listeners. Yeah, if he's going to yeah, remember yeah. you where you're at, she felt so looked over. She looked like she felt like she was the last in line. Totally. All the things that made her significant as a woman weren't happening for her. All the yeah. things she dreamed of growing up. It wasn't just that she couldn't have a baby. It was that she it's dreamed of having a baby. Yes. It's like, can you imagine if that's the main thing you wanted and it didn't happen for right. you? It wasn't, right. it wasn't just a woman issue. It was like, this is what I want the most in life. Mm-hmm. And then God comes and she says, this is, she's worshiping him saying, you are God who remembers, but she called it as a name. And yes. I just think that's such a beautiful word for this season because so many people don't feel seen. They don't feel known. They don't feel connected to. They don't feel understood. So I love that word. I love, mm-hmm. I, I've never heard anyone prophesy that as far as a season of the body of Christ, but it, it's never been relevant like it is right now. Yeah. We're in a hundred year event right now. We're in an event that only people who've gone through maybe world wars can yes. experience or have, have known. And here we are in nations right now struggling. And I love how the prophetic can bring so much hope. So I hope those of you who are listening are listening to Krista saying, this is your time where God is remembering you. And that's Amen. going to be your worship to God is to say, he saw me even when it looked like I was left out or I was gone or there's no more promise. There's nothing mm-hmm. else. That's amazing. I well, love Krista, that. How do people get a hold of you? How do people, I know your book's coming out. When is it coming out? And tell us your website. It's co- yeah, it's coming out August, 2021. So I'm super excited about that. And our website is seanandkristasmith.com. We keep it really simple. So you just remember our names and you'll find our website. And, um, yeah, so we have a podcast, keep it 100 podcast on charisma, like Sean's on charisma as well. So uh, you can check out that podcast as well. And so, yeah, we'd love to connect with you. Thanks for sharing your journey on the show. I know it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people and thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Such a joy and always great to spend time with family. Absolutely. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you'll receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God.
Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.